The U.S. healthcare system costs more than any other countries while often delivering lower quality care, and it leaves more than 27 million Americans uninsured. Yet consensus regarding how the healthcare system should be reformed, or even what the terms of the debate should be, has remained elusive. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with David Cutler, a professor of applied economics at Harvard University. Professor Cutler was interviewed by Lisa Rosenbaum for a perspective article on healthcare reform and values in the United States. Professor Cutler, could you start by describing the Medicare for All insurance design that's been proposed by some of the 2020 Democratic presidential candidates and how that would differ from a more incremental reform strategy? Sure, I would be happy to. Most people in the U.S. who are non-elderly have insurance through an employer where the employer offers them a choice of different policies and they choose from them and so on. The lower income population tends to be more on Medicaid, which is a state-run program that differs some across the states. And then the elderly population is on Medicare, which really has two parts to it. There's a traditional government-run program, and then there are private managed care companies called Medicare Advantage that seniors can enroll in. What the Medicare for All proposals do is they take everyone who's not on the traditional Medicare plan and they say, we want you to have insurance through the traditional Medicare plan. So those who are in private insurance policies through an employer, those who are on Medicaid, those who are in Medicare but in managed care plans would all transition into a Medicare for all. As part of that, you'd need to change that package. So, for example, it's not great at covering things that are not used by Medicare beneficiaries and its cost sharing is actually high and so on. So, in addition to moving people onto it, there's a change in the way that that program looks. Despite all the discussion about Medicare for All, there are still clearly a lot of details that haven't been hashed out. Among them, how much doctors and hospitals would be paid, how they'd be paid, what kinds of tax increases would be needed. Do you think, given all those uncertainties, there's not going to be a resolution of this debate about health care reform? I think it would be a very difficult debate. If you remember the vociferous opposition to the Affordable Care Act, that wasn't even trying to move everybody onto a single plan. That was really just trying to increase coverage and to change the nature of insurance a bit. So the Medicare for all is kind of many orders of magnitude bigger than what the Affordable Care Act was, and that itself was enormously controversial. So it strikes me that the public would have to be brought along to the idea of Medicare for all. And it's interesting because within the candidates who are talking about Medicare for all, there are really two different types of views. The Bernie Sanders view is that we know that Medicare for all is the right thing, and so we need to do that right away as rapidly as we can. Senator Elizabeth Warren's view is that she doesn't want people to be forced onto something that they don't like, but she also believes that they'll like Medicare for all. So what she has proposed is that first people have the option wherever they have insurance now through an employer or through Medicaid or through another venue through the insurance exchanges that they have the option of joining Medicare. And then after a couple of years, she believes people would be in favor of that because they would see what it would be like. And therefore, it would be easier to pass legislation that would then transition the whole country onto Medicare for all. So it's very much a sentiment on her part that people are not ready for it now, but that with experience, they would be welcoming of it. 
So one of the fundamental issues here, which Dr. Rosenbaum raises in her perspective article, is the question of whether health care is a right. And that question continues to divide this country. Why do you think the attitude about health care is so different from that about public education, for example? It really is very different. So in the abstract, everyone agrees that people should have access to health care. But then if you say, okay, what are you willing to give up in order to do that? So for example, are you willing to pay higher taxes to support that? Are you willing to move everybody off of the plan that they're on, including move you off the plan that you're on and into a government plan to support that? That's where the support tends to fall away, is not so much in the abstract as it is in the practicalities. What I interpret the public as saying is most people have insurance. And the people who have insurance say, look, the biggest problem for me is not that I'm uninsured, because thankfully I'm not uninsured, but the biggest problem for me is that the costs are too high. So my pharmaceutical costs are too high, my insurance costs are too high, my emergency department costs are too high, my doctor's costs are too high. And so people are very, very firm that the cost is what they want the government to address. When you then say, well, okay, we'll address that, but the way we're going to address that is by putting people onto this plan and doing this and raising this tax and it's all going to work out. They say, no, 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 that's not what I told you. I told you that I think pharmaceutical companies are charging too much and insurers are charging too much and doctors are charging too much and hospitals are charging too much. So I want to hear about how you're going to do that. So first fix it, lower the cost, and then come back to me. And so I think a disconnect between what people think is wrong with healthcare, which is that people are gouging them on the price side, and then what they hear, which is, well, the way to solve that is by moving everyone into a single payer. And they say, but I don't understand. That's not what I was telling you. So that, that disconnect is really important in how people think of policy and how policy has to be able to speak to people. So part of that is that loss aversion that you spoke about earlier, that I would have to give up my insurance if this sort of system were put in place. Can that loss aversion obstacle be overcome, or do you think it's going to jeopardize any approach based on a single-payer model? It's always going to be difficult to overcome the loss aversion. Anything that's as personal to them as healthcare, people feel very cautious about changing, and that's totally appropriate that people feel that way. So I think what people want is, it's not that they're opposed to radical change, but they want to see it incrementally and they want to see how it's really going to affect them. So for example, people, as we were talking about, are very upset about the cost of medical care. So if you say, well, okay, this plan will lower the cost of medical care without giving up things, and they want to say, okay, show me that. Show me that that's what happens, and then we can talk about it. The abstract debate really doesn't work for people for something that's as personal to them as healthcare. I think that's part of the issue here is that many of the debates we have are way too abstract relative to where the population is. Or the other way of thinking about it is that it's really sort of embarking on a big change without really having the trial evidence that says, yes, this is exactly what it's going to do. So as you say, and as in fact you said in the perspective article, the public generally thinks that each individual should pay less for health care, but the United States as a country should be spending more. Is there any way to foster an honest discussion about the trade-offs that would be needed to make those things happen in the current political climate? The current political climate makes it difficult to do anything, of which healthcare care is obviously a big part of that. Where I tend to come down is to say, look, people are rightly very concerned about costs, and they're also concerned about coverage. 
rather than think about a very big change all at once, that is, we have one shot to reform healthcare, let's do one shot and do it, why don't we think about how to set us on a path to do better? So, for example, as the New England Journal and many other publications have pointed out, there are things that we could do on pharmaceutical costs that would be beneficial to consumers without being unusually harmful to the industry. So those are obviously things we should do. There are things on administrative costs that where we could reduce administrative costs that are really just a burden on doctors and patients and everybody in the system, so we could do those. There are things that would incrementally help expand coverage. So, for example, fixing some of the technical issues in the Affordable Care Act's exchanges, encouraging more Medicaid expansion in states that haven't done it, things like that that would incrementally expand coverage but would be big deals. My guess is that as a society, we're likely to have more success if we divide up healthcare into pieces and work on them in pieces than if we think that what we ought to do now is have another super big debate where we don't really know exactly what will happen and how it will all play out. Finally, how do you see the debate about Medicare for All and other health care reform proposals evolving or shifting during this primary season and leading up to the general election? Do you think there's going to be a kind of look at splitting it up and dealing with different issues independently? It's interesting. If you come back to Senator Warren's proposal, she really did split it up. That is, she said, I want to do some things right away and then other things I want to think about by the end of a third year in office. I think where you're seeing a split in the Democratic Party is between those candidates who say that their ultimate goal is single-payer health care and they really want to get there and they're going to lay out a plan to do it, and those who say, yes, it's kind of a goal, but until we develop a lot more consensus, we're not going to be able to do it. And that's more of where Vice President Biden is and Mayor Pete is. So there's those On the Democratic side, everyone sort of believes they would want to get there, but they really differ in how much they would work for it right away. On the Republican side, the president has promised a health care plan, which he hasn't yet specified. And the last Republican health care plan, the one that was defeated in 2017, was almost universally condemned. And so he's in the other situation, which is what he's got out there is known to be very unpopular. And he's promised something different, but he hasn't said what it is. So voters may or may not like the Democratic plans, but they really don't like the Republican plan. And so there's going to be an interesting issue as to whether in the election it's going to be about the Democrats have this plan and I want to protect you against it, or the Republicans have this plan, but I want to protect you against it. And how much is going to be protecting against the other party's plans and how much is going to be putting forward something and trying to convince people that your way of change is the right one? And I don't know how much it's going to be a positive debate, that is, here's my plan and here I want to convince you it's good, and how much it's going to be a negative debate, which is, oh my gosh, these other people want to destroy your health care, and I'm going to be trying to protect it. Thank you, Professor Cutler.